0: Hi folks, welcome back to Philly Built. I'm Vern Anastasio. I wanna thank you for checking us out so far. And please share this podcast on your social media and with your friends and family. Today on Philly Built, we're gonna take a look at what happens when Philadelphia City Hall commits one popular roadway to a traffic diet for the sake of safety. But then they binge a little too much on local politics and things just don't go as planned. Today we have one of the city's advocates for safer streets and a more walkable, bikeable city. Right here on Philly Bill. But before all that, it's time for some listener questions.
1: Hey Vern, it's producer Joe, how you doing today?
0: Hey Joe, how are you?
1: Good. We have some more reader slash listener questions. Hey, by the way, why don't you give folks the email
0: address if they want to ask some zoning questions on the next episode? Yeah. Anytime anyone wants to ask a question for us, all they have to do is email info, I-N-F-O at phillyzoning.com.
1: Great. First up, this is a question about uh, opening a restaurant. Um, for zoning purposes, how does the city of Philadelphia differentiate between a sit-down restaurant and a takeout restaurant? A restaurant that's just you know just a window, just takeout.
0: Well, that's the thing. Sometimes a takeout restaurant you can sit down in them, so it really comes down to very specific criteria, and most folks don't really understand the difference. Uh, recently, had a case like this where the guy said, "I want to open up a sit-down restaurant." So so I said, okay, let's go through the business model. Where do people pay for their food? Well, they walk up and they pay when they order. Okay, well, that's strike one against a sit-down restaurant. Number two, is there table service? Do you have waitresses? No, they just take their food and sit down at a table. Okay, that's strike two against a sit-down restaurant. And finally, what are they eating the food on? Is it all disposable material, paper plates? paper napkins, uh, plastic forks and spoons. If it's a yes, that's three strikes against a sit down restaurant. And what you have is a takeout restaurant. Even
1: if there is a, you know, even if there's like picnic benches or something like that are in an enclosed room.
0: Absolutely. Interesting. If you walk into, uh, Tony Luke's down by, uh, Front Street, Mm -hmm. uh, you go and you pay. There are tables, picnic tables, and it's enclosed, but it's still a takeout. Lorenzo's Pizza, Ninth and Christian. Shout out to Lorenzo's. Uh, hey, hey. Yeah, it's Even though there's table and chairs, it's a takeout restaurant. Huh. Let's see. We got another one here.
1: Um, this is a question about a family dwelling. Uh, listener says, I have a triplex listed for sale and An interested buyer but we just learned the three family dwelling status somehow expired and the property is zoned for a single family home what Mm. should I do
0: well if it was in fact a legal three-family dwelling at some point then I would recommend you do what the song tells us to do and legalize it Uh, go through the process of getting a zoning variance to recapture the use as a three-family dwelling Uh, There's certain things you're gonna have to look out to make sure that you can, in fact, be successful in doing that. If you came to me at phillyzoning.com, we would go through the criteria. One of those is, is there any particular record in the history of the property that shows there was, in fact, a three-family dwelling permit? The other thing I'd look at is, is there a history at all of a rental license for a three-family dwelling? And finally, I'd look at how many electric meters there are. If there are three electric meters, or four, sometimes there's one for a common area, uh, then I'd say you've got a really good shot of uh, recapturing that use. Now, the problem is, uh, settlement may be 30, 60, 90 days away, and getting a variance takes several months, at least six. And now back to the show. Over the last decade, community activist Dina Driscoll has championed well-funded public schools, affordable housing, open space, and a more walkable city. Currently, she's the Director of Development and Communications for the Public Interest Law Center. She holds a master's degree from the University of the Arts, and she's a graduate of LaSalle University. Dina is a founding member of Open Streets PHL and chair of the Political Action Committee, Fifth Square. Most recently, Dina was an advocate for a road diet for Washington Avenue, a large east-west state highway that crosses the northern border of her South Philadelphia neighborhood in Passion Square. Dina Driscoll joins us today to delve into that plan, the neighborhood friction it created, and what has ultimately stalled the final plan from being implemented, right here today on Philly Built. In July of 2020, the City of Philadelphia's Office of Transportation, Infrastructure and Sustainability, known as OTIS, released a memo about the city's Washington Avenue traffic analysis. South Philly's Washington Avenue has been a major east-west artery for Philadelphia for well over a century. Trains would run down the middle of this state highway moving immigrants, building materials, confections, and giant spools of paper to neighborhoods, stone yards, factories, and publishing companies. More recently, however, the five-lane road is seeing commercial and residential uses replace the traditional industrial ones, most especially in areas west of Broad Street. With the new residential development and the new residents, this development brings, the city rolls out a plan to reduce the five-lane highway to a three-lane road with protected bike lanes and more pedestrian-friendly patterns. This road diet, as it was called, became a point of great community conflict, however, with age-old issues involving race, class, and equity bubbling to the top of the conversation. Today's guest Dina Driscoll is a South Philadelphia resident and advocate for a more livable city. She was a champion of the proposed road diet that was ultimately scaled back by City Hall in response to the turmoil. Today, community activist, the co-chair of the Fifth Square PAC, Dina Driscoll joins us. And Dina, welcome to Philly Built.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for being here. And I, before we get into Washington Avenue, I just wanted to get your take as a resident of South Philadelphia, seeing the changes and the development uh, that, that are taking place. What is your take on development along and just north and south of Washington Avenue?
2: You know, I think, so I've lived here for the past 20 years in Philadelphia, and I've got to see a lot of change happen across the city, including here in South Philadelphia. Where I call it home, um, I think ultimately Washington Ave is due for some big changes—not um, just our our road and making it safer, but also you know this is a very large space that can really start to accommodate um, new residents, um, new businesses, um, really be a, just like a new um, commercial corridor for the you know the new century. So. I'm excited overall that Washington Ave is starting to see, you know, changes happen.
0: And what drew you to the movement or to the idea that was literally ten years in the making to remake, re envision uh, transportation on Washington Avenue?
2: I mean, honestly, my my want to see, you know, safer, more livable cities comes from having children. Um, uh, my oldest is 11 years old. Um, he was born here, um, and we lived at 16th and Reed when he was born. We no longer live there. We live uh, a little bit further uh, uh, east now. But when he was born, I started crisscrossing Washington Avenue with a baby. And I saw that how vulnerable children and elderly were on that street, and I thought, well, this can't be. Um You know, there wasn't enough time to cross safely with a stroller. And for me, that really, you know, led me to becoming an advocate for safer streets. And, you know, it's not something I just see on Washington Avenue. It was something I saw on Broad Street. It was something I saw on many of our streets where they weren't safe to cross.
0: So in your opinion, Washington Avenue is a dangerous place for pedestrians and bike riders.
2: Absolutely. In my lived experience, I know it's a dangerous street, but I also know that the data that the city has provided themselves listed as one of the most dangerous streets in the whole entire city. Um, It is considered um, dangerous from both data and from both, you know, the perspectives of many residents.
0: According to Otis, uh, the number of traffic accidents is far above uh, the average in the city of Philadelphia, and there have been at least a half a dozen deaths over the past several years
2: including children. Um, one child was killed on the sidewalk. Um, you know, that to me makes this street an absolute candidate for a road diet.
0: So let's talk about that road diet and how other folks uh, may have seen it, or it, at least initially. Some longer time residents, folks who have uh, lived either on or along or near Washington Avenue for generations, uh, Say these conditions predate the new development and the new residents, but no one seemed to care until the money started coming in. And by money, they they see it as the the new homes, the new apartment buildings, and the new residents. Talk about that perspective and how you might uh, understand that.
2: Yeah, I mean, we absolutely know that there was disinvestment in many neighborhoods across Philadelphia for a very long time. Um, We know certain mayors had a preference for fixing Center City as in, you know, and ignoring the neighborhoods and ignoring what many of these neighborhoods need. you know, right now there's a really interesting campaign coming out of um, city council about just services. About areas that see the highest car crashes, also see, you know, the most um, underfunded rec centers, the most underfunded schools. Um, there's illegal dumping there. We know that in, in areas that have been disinvested in, there's lots of problems. Um, and I think Washington Ave and, you know, the corridors along it for a long time were ignored. And You know, I am not here in defense of the city to say that's okay. They should be fixing this no matter who is living here.
0: Right. Um, Where did the city fail in making this a reality?
2: So the first time I went to a Washington Ave meeting, it was 2014. And my second child was a year old. Um, She just turned nine. So um, I think that really puts it in perspective that They have been trying really, not successfully, for many years to get something done. Um, I think in this most recent attempt, they really did try to get everyone's, you know, opinion. Um, But I think really what happened was that the council people, Councilman Johnson and Councilman Squila, failed them um, in telling them what residents and what neighborhood groups to talk to. You know, 22 wasn't enough, but, you know, we really rely on Council to say oh these are the rcos you need to speak to um and in this most recent attempt there was rcos that councilman johnson did not tell otis to speak to and they felt particularly hurt by that
0: right Uh, and that sort of is uh that is a parallel issue when it comes to philly zoning as well um planning and or zoning typically have to go through certain rcos uh, and sometimes other rcos are not necessarily engaged, and there's hurt feelings. Uh, based on what I read and some of the testimony from um, those other RCO members, uh, there seemed to just be a lot of hurt feelings. I don't necessarily think anyone um, truly believed that Washington Avenue is a safe place right now for pedestrians. I think it just, it was the process and not necessarily the plan. What do you, What's your take on that?
2: You know, I, I think one, I don't believe in planning by committee. I should say this. Um, I think we should be listening to everyone's opinions, but in the end, I actually want traffic engineers and planners to to build these, you know, to build these roads the safest way possible. Um, and so, I think that's first important to say. But I do think we need to hear from everyone and hear about everyone's concerns. Ultimately, though, as a community, we have to decide if the most vulnerable members of our community, so those who are walking and biking, if we should be putting them first.
0: Right. Um, and I think that's what the solution. The initial solution for the three-lane highway was trying to do. Is that right? The, the bike lanes would have been protected. There would have been um, easier ways in which to cross the street from 50 feet to 33 feet. Um, is that what attracted you to the plan
2: yeah in the first you know they gave they laid out three different plans to folks in their first survey that they put out um and you know that reached thousands of folks um along the corridor which you know one of the great things that i think otis did was they actually sent a postcard about this survey out to every person who lived on washington ave and then two blocks next door as well so i think you know they really did try to put that out there Um, And what attracted me to the plan was, yes, I thought we were putting, um, you know, to a certain extent, pedestrians and bicyclists first, which was great. To me, that meant we were going to put the most vulnerable people using the street first and think about their needs. Um, And, you know, the trade-offs weren't bad. It was like a couple of seconds slower for traffic in the most safe plan that they put out. And I will say this, the safest plan that they put out is not the most safest way we can make Washington Ave, right? We know that they could shrink it even in even smaller. Um, we could eliminate all traffic. There was even wilder plans that could have happened,
0: right? Right. right.
2: Um, this was already a compromise. This was, you know, around um, Broad and Washington, it was going to remain um, the full five lanes um, plus two lanes of parking on either side. So it was going to still be wide in the part that they felt was like, you know, the most traffic heavy. So this was already a compromise. So, yes, what drew me to it, though, was that, you know, as a mother, my children cross Washington Ave every day after school. They walk from their school with their aftercare leaders to their rec center. And so they cross every day. And I would like to know that um, they were safer doing so. Um, right now, I always tell the story, their, their rec leader, what she does is she stands in the middle of the crosswalk. And like puts her arms out and then yells for the children to run across Washington Avenue as quickly as possible to cross. Um, this is what their their cross symbol, right? Like it's still so dangerous that that's what um, the rec center leader is doing to protect the children.
0: Literally running for their lives, huh? Yes. That can't be fun for a little person, for sure. Uh, I guess what. One of the things I did read, and and at least was uh, propagated through, you know, through the media, was that uh, this experiment uh, uh, and the lack of, of, uh, I guess, reaching all populations on it, uh, really spoke to the digital divide. Uh, Was there a heavy digital outreach that some folks may not have been uh, able to access?
2: So the initial survey that they did was all digitally done. And that was because it, you know, they started it right before uh, March thirteenth, 2020. So they they had done some in-person outreach to RCOs before that. But once, you know, once the pandemic hit, they decided to move to this digital um, version of it. And so of course, we know there's a digital divide in Philadelphia, even though it continues to get smaller after, you know, a lot of work that's been done to make sure that like all school students were on virtually course, I think again, you know, they had sent out these postcards they were and they had um, a phone number, you could call, there were things that they were doing that did not require um, a computer but so one of the things that came up in a small working group in 2021 was we want to do a paper survey. And so um, the questions on the paper survey were not the same. Um, they were actually written by a small group of um, community members. I did not personally take part in writing this, but I was in the small working group. It was done by many of the community members who felt like their people had been ignored, the people who, who did not really want to see a change. Um, and so they asked us to go to our communities with these paper surveys and get them filled out. And even in these paper surveys, over 800 came back. Only 45 were upset that it was going to be um, given a road diet. So even in the paper survey, <laughs> the same results happen. Um, you know, no one felt Washington Ave was working for anybody.
0: Right. Yet at the end of the day, um, Otis, you know, cut the plan, um, came up with something uh, far different than what was rolled out and promised. Now, and it even prompted the state senator, uh, Nick Saval to say uh, it was outrageous and shameful. What's your take on the, um, the plan that has been settled upon?
2: Well, one, it's actually not even settled upon yet, which is just fascinating to me. Um, Until the legislation is sent through Councilman Johnson and Squila, there is still no plan for repaving for Washington Ave. Um, We don't know what's being negotiated still in the back room. Um, The plan that they put out was less safe. And, you know, that's really troubling. These are certified planners and engineers. And, they are saying, oh, we have to we have to compromise safety because people had their feelings hurt. Um, and that's just remarkable to me. I, you know,
0: yeah, I, much, much like the zoning process that relies heavily on RCOs, registered community organizations, who are, in fact, handpicked by the district council people. And each of the 10 districts has a whole their own set of the way things go. Uh, with zoning and planning, it sounds like this process uh, was a casualty of not only the pandemic, uh, but politics as usual in Philadelphia. Um, Is that your takeaway?
2: Absolutely. Um, You know, it all comes down to really what our our councilmen want. Um, And it doesn't matter if the bulk of their constituents really feel like, you know, change is needed. It's those who have their ear and, you know, the the folks who have the Councilman Johnson and Squeal's ears here are folks who don't want the change. Um, and, you know, people will, you know, be like, oh, they weren't listening to these longtime time um, residents. These longtime residents are committee people. They are running RCOs. They are heavily working in the community they are being heard by their council people, for sure. Um, that is why this whole process, which was declared final in 2020, was reopened in 2021.
0: Members of council become city planners, like they sometimes become real estate developers. Um, and that that's a danger, especially when they're not qualified, right?
2: Absolutely, and you know, I always tell people, I myself am not a planner um, and That's why I look to who our city has hired to design the safest streets for us. Um, I wanna make sure, you know, that's why I said earlier, I don't believe in design by committee. It's not about actually in the end, how many votes, which plan got, it's what is the safest and best thing for our city. Um, What eliminates, you know, deaths, deaths of children. Um, I think about the mother who was pushing a stroller across Washington Ave a number of years ago who was killed by a turning bus um these are what i want our city planners to be thinking about when they're designing a road
0: well i think uh, moving forward you're not going to give up on this fight um and what is the future of this legislation or is it still as you say in the back room trying to get hatched out
2: i mean right now from what we understand it's still in the back room getting hatched out but for you know fifth square We believe that the only real change is going to come if we change out the politicians who have, you know, really um, have guarded this process and haven't allowed for real change. So, you know, what we did was we we started a a Safer Washington Ave um, fundraising campaign in which we've raised $14,000 for the next city council elections.
0: Uh, West of Broad Street, Washington Avenue is still overwhelmingly zoned for either mid uh, or mixed industrial use. All the while fewer and fewer industrial uses are in Philadelphia and especially on Washington Avenue. Is this something that should be dealt with at a city planning commission level where the entire corridor is down zoned to commercial mixed use so residents can continue to be built, commercial activity can continue to grow, and that would ultimately dictate how traffic patterns are designed.
2: Yeah, absolutely. One of the, you know, the businesses that were most upset about the changes to Washington Avenue, they fully admitted in meetings in, uh, in um, the media that they said, if you're gonna change how it's, you know, how the road is designed then we want our zoning changed so we can sell and make money and move our buildings out to the suburbs or wherever they want to move them um so i think you know that's an ultimate problem is that the zoning is still very stagnant there and the commercial uh building owners don't always want to be on there anymore they also see the change coming
0: right and they know that commercial mixed use is a far more valuable use these days That they could then sell and folks could then develop um and that too is up to the district council person
2: it's it's all secular right like it's all it's all in the same hands um and it's all the same people in those back rooms working together and you know people who want to see change often get frustrated and i see this a lot with both um older and newer residents that really do want to see change happen we you know we all want a better philadelphia and we have to work together to get there, and we can't just keep putting roadblocks up.
0: Well, that's a very, uh, I think, positive twist on things, and I know you'll keep doing that. And I know, uh, being a resident of South Philadelphia, uh, especially with little ones, you probably get out and about every once in a while to, to grab a bite, and this is something I always end my interviews with. Uh, where do you like to go uh, for your favorite meal in Philly?
2: I'm going to be biased that I live right by Mighty Bread (laughs) in South Philadelphia, and I absolutely love Mighty Bread. And um, so our whole family does. They have the best treats and they have the best toasts. And, you know, there's always caffeine there, which is, you know, as a mother of young children, is needed. So uh, (laughs) I strongly love Mighty Bread.
0: All right. Well, I am writing that down right now and going to be. Googling them right away so I can get there. So thank you, Dina Driscoll, a community advocate and activist for A Safer Philadelphia. Uh, Thank you for joining us today on Philly Built. Thank you. Since our interview with Ms. Driscoll, Philadelphia City Council finally acted in early June of this year. On their last day in legislative session, before their summer break, City Council approved the new redesigned traffic pattern, but only for Washington Avenue East of Broad Street. For the portion of Washington Avenue that runs west of Broad, the status quo will remain with no changes to Washington Avenue's current traffic pattern.
1: Hey Vern, producer Joe here back with some more listener/reader questions. Hey Joe, how
0: are you? Good.
1: Uh, this one is from a listener who, uh, who's building an addition onto their home. If I'm building an addition on my home and need no zoning relief from the zoning board, do I need a lawyer or just a permit expediter? But as producer Joe, I want to qualify this question by saying, what does the phrase mean like they, that they need no zoning relief?
0: That means that um, the addition that they're putting on their property um, can be done as a matter of right. Got it. So what would you say to this person then? A good zoning architect will not only know how to draw out your addition to the home, but they should be able to go through the uh, buy right process to secure the zoning permits and then ultimately the building permits that you need uh, to put your addition on. So no, you could... Save your money on a lawyer and save your money on an expediter. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Yep. Okay, Vern, last
1: question of the day. Uh, this reader listener wants to know, if after meeting with a registered community group, the consensus is that the group opposes my appeal to the zoning board, should I even bother trying to move forward seeking the variance?
0: Good question. Um, And the quick answer is it depends, Uh, because you have to really look at the registered community group, their position, and is it consistent with the position of the people on the block? Because sometimes an organization and greater uh, number of folks who live farther away from the particular project may oppose the project, but the immediate neighbors may in fact be in support. Now, that's not to say that we don't win zoning variances even with strong community opposition and even strong city council opposition, but it's always good to have. It's a case-by-case basis that you really should delve in with your attorney uh, if faced with a registered community group that just is going to be opposing you until the very end.
1: All right. Thank you, Vern. By the way, listeners, if you have questions like this, do check
0: out phillyzoning.com. Yep. And you can always email us at info at Thanks for joining us today, everybody. And if you uh, really enjoy Philly Bill, please tell a friend, share on your social media, and we will see you next time.